Welcome, listeners. This is Filmed in Canada, a podcast about Canadian movies. I'm William Lee, and that guy over there, Alexander Cairns. We're your hosts once again for this chat about Canadian movies. How about all them sexual harassment allegations going around Hollywood? Okay. That was that was the That's joke. not very not very Canadian centric, but okay. Now, although yeah. I have seen a few articles, uh, the production for Arrow, I think Green Arrow. Oh right, yeah. But I think that was one of the producers down in the states. But I guess it's affected some it was, of the crew right. here. It was a showrunner. Yeah, for, that's right. Yeah, he because there's uh, there's three of them that are for the is it on WB or whatever. I don't um, but they're shot up here, all three of them, and so he's the showrunner, and he got he got suspended or something because uh, of the allegations. Mm-hmm. So that's a, I guess that's a big thing would affect uh, production. And then I guess Claude Jutra, like that was a few years ago now, but yeah, he sort of had he's been disgraced of, because yeah. of um, because of uh, what's what's come out after his death. Uh, yeah. Maybe one of these days we'll actually talk about his uh, his films. Yeah, yeah, I'm not jumping at the opportunity at this point, but... All right. Instead, we're going to jump at the opportunity to talk about... Um, Naked um, Daniel Radcliffe? Uh, well, no, we can. That's certainly going to be included. Um, so, this, uh, so the movie today is The F Word from 2013. Um, it was also released in the United States under the title What If. Uh, stars Daniel Radcliffe, who um, most people will know from the Harry Potter movies. Um, and it also stars... Who, he played the titular Harry Potter for anyone who yeah. has... Snicker, snicker, titular. Okay. Several years. Um, also in the movie is Adam Driver, who's now uh, very famous for being... Uh, Kylo Ren in the Star Wars movies. Zoe Kazan, who uh, featured was featured in another rom-com this year, The Big Sick, mm-hmm. which was quite enjoyable. And um, I guess the fourth member of the main cast to round it out was uh, Mackenzie Davis, who has gone on to um, be in the acclaimed episode of Black Mirror uh, I forget what it was called, but it won an Emmy last year about some alternate reality thing. I watched that episode, but I oh. can't remember what it was called. And then she was also in Blade Runner 2049. Oh, she. Which character is she? In in this movie? Oh, she's Adam Driver's uh, wife. I thought that was Megan Park. No, that's Mackenzie Davis. Megan Park plays uh, Zoe Kazan's sister. Oh. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're sure of that? Yes. Okay. 100%. Great. Um, that might be a fault on my part because I, uh, I did think um, that some of the supporting female characters, I, I had trouble telling them apart. Okay. Yeah. Just um, Anyway. She's we'll quite a bit that. taller than the rest of them. Okay. So that might help. Okay. Yeah. Distinguish. Uh, Megan Park is also, like in her, in her pictures on, uh, on IMDb, she's also tall and, hmm. and with light, with light colored hair. So, yeah. yeah. I was going to say Megan Park was, uh, was the only person in the, um, in like the, the main cast who is a Canadian, but, um, she's actually now the, so she's the fifth, um, kind of, uh, prominent person in the cast. So the first four are imports. Uh, Mackenzie Davis is from Vancouver as well. Oh, is she? Yes. Okay. Well, thanks for that correction. Yes. You know that for sure? Yes. Okay, excellent. <laughs> she is the daughter of the um, the owner of the hair company that my girlfriend works at. So oh. I can verify that she is from Vancouver. Can you get her on the show? Probably not. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure she lives in New York or L.A. at this point. <laughs> and we, for whatever reason, have not ventured out beyond just having people in a room and as opposed to doing Skype calls or whatever. Yeah. But I also would not use no, that I, very I tenuous connection to try to reach out to her. <laughs> I wouldn't push it. I'm just no. yeah, I'm just curious. And uh, the director of, of of the movie we're talking about, um, which I had read, Michael Douse. Michael Douse. Douse. Yeah. I don't know. Douse. 
I thought it was Dose, but yeah. until he comes on he, to correct us, well, we won't know. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about his um, other movie, Goon, yes. in an earlier episode. Uh, the screenplay is by Ilan Mastai, and it's based on a play by T.J. Daw and Michael Rinaldi. There you go. Um, I guess uh, for those unfamiliar with the movie, we're going to do a quick uh, plot summary. Run it down. Um, and then, then we'll get into it. Firstly, I, I want to say that it, it does fall under the category of, of, of a lot of uh, romances involving young people. So I don't think oh you're you're giving me a you're giving me a look. why why are you not just saying rom com because it's not a rom com why not I'll explain that later yeah th- we've had this discussion before <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that I I said that take this waltz is rom com and you're like no it's not or no maybe it is although uh, anyway okay. we'll, we'll get into that okay um, okay well there's so it's, comedic- it's a romance starring young people that's how you would it, classify it's a, it there's there's comedic elements in this romantic movie. Um, and I guess I say that just to, just to say that if you think we're going to give anything away, there's nothing to give away in these movies because they always kind of follow the same path, right? Right. Yeah. But uh, the main character is Wallace, played by Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. And he's, uh, he's still getting over a breakup when he meets Chantry. Yeah. It's interesting that out of the, out of the whole cast, Sarah Gadden had just a small kind of walk on scene as his ex because like she's now gone on to to do lots of interesting things in canadian film and, and starring in the the alias grace adaptation this year and, yeah uh, i guess she hasn't really done much in hollywood but i don't know i just would have expected her to have a bigger part over like a, like mackenzie davis or or megan park uh, mm. yeah yeah well i guess you can't you can't predict <laughs> where they'll be years from the filming. Yeah. But um, same with Adam Driver. I was, uh, I was surprised to see him in the movie. Uh, I think he's quite charming in the movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now it's, it's hard to, like, separate him from being Kylo Ren. Yeah, well, I guess at the time he would have been more known for girls, and mm-hmm. he plays a similar character on that show, although kind of a bit creepier in girls and not mm. as just kind of fun-loving. and although, okay. although I guess he does some stupid right. things in this movie too. We're, we're, so we've quickly uh, just taken a detour there. But we were talking about um, um, the main characters. Wallace, he meets Chantry, played by uh, Zoe Kazan, yeah. at a party. And um, they, they hit it off, but she has a boyfriend. So Wallace gets her number, but throws it away. He, he accepts that he will just be in the friend zone. But he well, not is, immediately because they because because uh, he's he he throws away her number thinking that maybe they'll never even see each other again. But then they run into each other at a at a screening of the Princess Bride. Yeah, uh, and, well, that, and that's where the relationship sort of sparks, or the friendship. Yeah, but is it a real friendship? I think we're gonna we're gonna kind of explore Wallace's motivations, perhaps. But it, it's about Wallace. He's he is. I think he's visibly pining for her in the movie. Yeah, right. But uh, he can't. Uh, he can't come out and say that. Uh, so it is. Um, so it's an hour and a half of uh, of this dilemma that Wallace is in. Uh, he wants to be with Chantry, but uh, he doesn't want to jeopardize their friendship. So, if you don't mind, Alexander, I'll uh, I like to make this opening comment. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. Is this a debate? No, no. It's just because you've been sitting there <laughs> quietly, and I wonder. Are you? Are you? Are you ready to say something? No, no. Go okay. ahead. Um, I didn't like this movie. Okay. And uh, and I, I'm trying to be careful about whether it's just because of um, personal feelings that it kind of dredges up in me, or if I or if there's like things about the filmmaking that um, I just feel uh, don't work. So there's a bit of that going on in my head. What? So you've been friend zoned in the past, or? I think don't you think like the friend zoning is a very a very common experience um that young men will have young people okay yeah i sure. don't think it's i don't know that it's gender specific i don't think it's gender specific either but i think uh, i think the actions that uh, that our protagonist takes um um i think it's very much uh um something um there's something about male behavior um that is uh, reflected in in the story, um, yeah. like the what Wallace um, 
what he has to decide he's going to do, I think it's very specific to what uh, the male side of that relationship will have to decide. It's mm. not, and that's different from what a female will, would have to decide. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that it is, it's unilater- unilateral because I have had experiences, or I guess I'm thinking of one specific experience of uh, a female friend that, uh, and, and more so just an acquaintance, but it was it, it was just a work situation where she tried to take what was just a casual friendship and and turn it into um, a sexual relationship, and and there was the, the awkwardness that ensued from that was similar to what is experienced in this movie. I would okay. say, okay, yeah. right, um, and actually just a loyal listener, I assume. Uh, probably not. Okay. All right, but the um, but because I think it it is um, being in the friend zone is is a, un, a universal experience for young single people. Yeah, um, I think this movie doesn't add anything to the conversation. It doesn't add any, any insight into um, into navigating that relationship dilemma. Um, right. It doesn't do anything novel about how to uh, react to it, uh, and so uh, I do. I do feel like the movie is a bit lazy okay. in terms of examining this uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's like from so my personal uh, reaction to it is is one that it 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 uh, it's exploiting something that um, we recognize and that we find discomfort in, but it doesn't do anything with it, and I think that's a disappointment for me. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. I guess I guess since the boyfriend character is in another country for so much of the movie and the way that the that the friendship develops is kind of more like a friend a, a relationship except that they're not having sex I, I guess I can see where you're coming from there because because the, like I I guess what I would have liked to see more of was genuine conflict between the three parties involved, namely the um, Chantry, Wallace, and the boyfriend, Ben. Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think in terms of the, the friend turning into boyfriend aspect of it, I th- there, there certainly could have been more scenes between either all three of them or the two of them or, or just kind of exploring that awkward dynamic more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to just immediately introducing him as this threatening and vaguely violent person who then falls out of a window. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, you're almost, you're just immediately set up to hate him. So it's like, okay, just get him out of the movie so that the two of them can, can develop their, their own relationship. And um, I guess to the same point at the end of the movie, when Chantry and Wallace have lunch together after he's come back from Ireland. Um, That conflict of, of Chantry being like, Oh, like you just wanted a relationship the whole time. Like I feel so stupid that just felt forced. And, and you know that the inevitable end result is that they're going to end up together anyway. So Mm -hmm. why have that conflict? Why, why wouldn't she just be, why, why, why does she have to be, annoyed or or angry at that as opposed to just being like oh i guess i guess i kind of saw that coming Mm -hmm. and that's why i wanted to meet up with you for lunch anyway yeah the characters the well at least the main characters um they they just seem a little bit stupid about the situation that they're in yeah um and um i guess i i just uh um found it hard to uh to sympathize with them because Mm -hmm. of that um also, um, I guess, yeah. Well, I guess I guess in terms of in terms of those types of friendships that like two straight people of opposite genders getting into a friendship while one or more of them is in a relationship. I guess that dynamic, the the, the way I would see that naturally forming as a friendship would be around some common interest. So it's. They, like they meet at the Princess Bride, so then, you know, every couple of weeks they go to a movie together, mm-hmm. um, or they meet. They're they're in the same soccer league, and so they 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 meet there and and they you know they play soccer every week, and then 
you know, they go for, they go for a drink after or whatever. And that, and that, and so there's, so that there's a focus to the relationship. Whereas this movie, it's just, they're just kind of meeting up and like, he's going dress shopping with her and, um, just the, 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 the ways in which they encounter each other don't seem to reflect how that relationship would exist given, given that they want to remove the sexual element of it. Yeah. 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 Even from the time when they meet up, I, I think that scene is just so unremarkable that I don't understand why they continue talking to each other, except, except that they, they happen to be at the beer fridge. Yeah. Um, and then they happen to leave the party at the same time. Yeah. And right. And then they walk in the same direction for a bit until they exchange uh, or till she gives him uh, her phone number. Yeah. But, um, you're right. There, there isn't, there isn't something to spark, um, that relationship, that friendship that you think like, well, there's a reason why they're getting, why they're hanging out together. Yeah. It, so we read it as Wallace is hanging out with her because he is still romantically attracted to her. Yeah. And he's just waiting for the right opportunity yeah. to, to fuck up her relationship of five years, which, which makes them seem like, uh, kind of an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then, it, and, and at certain points he is an asshole and he isn't and she is and she isn't and the boyfriend is and he isn't. Motivation? What, what is, uh, Chantry's, uh, motivation for hanging out with him? Yeah. Um, that was, uh, that was something that I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, really understand. Um, and also it's not really established. Like, is she unsatisfied in her relationship? Mm-hmm. That's, that's never made clear. No. Um, until, basically until she gets to Dublin and sees him with his arm around another, another woman, which I guess that could have led to a sexual encounter, but it didn't necessarily seem to imply that it would. They were just two drunk people and like they, they needed each other for yeah. support walking up a stair, a set of I stairs. Think, yeah. Um, Ben, um, the, the scene you're describing where she goes to, uh, to meet Ben in, in Ireland. Um, I think it is, it's just an, an, another example of how there's a lot of elements in this movie that are, that are undercooked. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, I mean, we've, we've addressed how, uh, we don't really understand what the, uh, what the spark is between Wallace and, and Chandri. Um, so you've pointed out that we don't know why Chandri, uh, is in love with Ben. Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't, um, like, I don't, I don't want a movie necessarily to fall into cliche all the time, but this is uh, the kind of movie that has a certain formula to it. Yet, it doesn't want to commit to making Ben the villain. Yeah. Like, he's introduced as, he's, he's also an asshole the first time we meet him. Yeah. But then, because Chandri doesn't, she, she doesn't act as, um, as a foil to, to, to let you know that he is an asshole. She, yeah. never, she never communicates like, oh yeah, and he's got a, he's got a, an anger streak or something like that. Yeah. She seems content in this relationship. Um, yeah. so. And so, also, and also he's established as an asshole, but then he's immediately victimized by a random yeah. act of opening a door and him falling out a window. But, um, aside from, aside from the, the physical comedy that I did enjoy in that, sequence yeah it, it 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 creates an imbalance as a viewer in terms of like do you sympathize with him or do you yeah. do you root against him yeah and that and i think that really um that is really hammered home or or not hammered home um when she goes to dublin because it looks like it looks like maybe he's been fooling around but then all the characters explain it away and it's like oh no he wasn't fooling around yeah. um so you just you don't get a sense of like is he right for her or is he wrong for her yeah um so it, it really seems like chantry and could and, go with whomever yeah and and the fact that that he is that, that he's going to he wants to continue his contract in in dublin for another six months that shouldn't come as a surprise to her because you know he has these ambitions to like he's working for the un obviously if if he has an opportunity to further that career, he's, he, he wants to at least have that discussion, but she's just immediately so incensed that he didn't bring it up sooner. And I can, I can understand some level of, of frustration with that, but that leading to an end of a relationship. I don't, I don't see that. Uh, I don't either. Um, at least not the way that she maps it out on her chart. Um, yeah. yeah, it doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to make sense. Also, um, there aren't two distinct columns in that chart for each option. She's got, she's got Toronto, she's got Dublin, she's got Taiwan or Taipei. 
but she's only got one column under each of those. So there's only pros, I guess. I think it's a pros list. It's a yeah. pros list. Yeah. But you need cons. Sure. You need to contrast the pros against cons. <laughs> I guess. Yes. That's list making 101. <laughs> <laughs> so she hasn't thought it out. You think? In right. Her, in her chart. Okay. Um, the other thing too about Ben. How come like all of their, all of their friends are whispering about what a cute couple um, Chandra and Wallace are, and Ben never comments on it except for the, the the first time we meet him. Like if he was like if he was the villain, he could be an asshole about that and say like, "Hey, why don't you stop seeing your friend?" Or if he was not the villain, he would he could he could bring it up in a more um, uh, in you know in a more understanding way and say like, you know, I what, I don't think there are enough scenes with him to establish that conflict anyway. Yeah, because he disappears to to Dublin pretty quickly. Yeah. Before he disappears, um, a scene that I wanted to bring up because I was uh, I was watching a little bit of it today. Yeah, um, and there's a scene where they're walking in uh, in Toronto's Chinatown, and it's the scene where uh, he where, where Ben tells her, um, "I'm going to go to Dublin." Or she's he he begins it by saying, "You know, we've been together for for so many years. Yeah. We have such a strong relationship." So I think we'll survive if we go to Dublin. Yeah, right. And it's set up as a proposal. Okay, this it was only on the second viewing that I that I understood that uh, Chantry was expecting a proposal. Right. Um, and, like that didn't register for me the first time I saw okay. it. So I, I rewatched the scene. Um, I was looking for a different scene, but I yeah. happened upon this one, and then I realized like, oh, she thought she was going to be proposed to. And why that never registered for me is they just don't give her a chance to um, to express that emotion, to express that disappointment. Like it's just it goes immediately from her expectant face, like Ooh, what's he gonna say, mm-hmm. to her being like, oh well, I totally support you going to Dublin. Yeah. And I think it's just this. It's um, it. So again, I, I'm 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 conflicted. Do I want that cliched scene where she gets she's expecting one thing and she's disappointed? Yeah. Um, um, do I want that because that's in all of these movies, or or do I, or do I want them to do something different? Well, I just felt unsatisfied because uh, because she wasn't given the chance to, um, to to fully communicate what her feelings were in that scene, and I think I think it's just a missed chance in in, uh, in this movie. Right? Did you also, you you knew immediately that it was a that she was expecting a proposal? I did. Just okay. just just the way that he he's the dialogue is written to make it seem like he's re- he's concealing something that he will reveal and obviously whenever that's in a relationship dynamic it's going to be a proposal at least in movies <laughs> yeah um the, I, the other thing about that scene is i don't know if you picked up on this but i just i just felt like it was just kind of cheap and vaguely racist that they were just making fun of the items in the in the chinese grocery store <laughs> um i no, well, it's I know what you're, like, well, I know what you're referring just, to. I'm just, I guess, I'm a little bit less sensitive to it. But it's so. just like, it's just like, why do you need? Why does that scene need to be set in Chinatown? Mm. And why do they need to pick up some unknown item and be like, oh, a like hundred servings, <laughs> like that would that would last you a lifetime? It's like I don't get the joke. Mm. So, so um, it's just like, why make it? Yeah. Also, other than other than just to belittle an entire population of people i don't know i think it's i think it's written in a way so that if you were if you were visually impaired you would also register oh they're in chinatown right i I think it's just i think the writing is just very kind of simple-minded but why do they need to be in chinatown just just as color just to just to show a different part of toronto yeah i think it's just i think it's just for the color of the movie um she also makes the comment yeah, Chandra says um, they're, they're looking for those uh, those meats that he won't eat or something of that sort. So I think it's just uh, it's just they're kind of easy comments to make uh, to to show that they're in different places. Uh, I think uh, the overall the script we you get that in the script where the the dialogue is trying to be like a, a sitcom, uh, but it's not as it, I say it's not even as good as say an episode of Friends, right? It's just right. it's just uh, you know a fake Friends thing. Yeah, but. Just one last point on that Chinatown scene. I guess I don't understand, again, why they're making this joke, but specifically within the context of it being a movie about white people, the joke just feels 
unnecessary and only offensive. There's there's no there's no good way to spin it, I guess. Yeah. You you think it just it just sounds it just makes the character sound a little more ignorant? Yeah. 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 Um but but you were I think you um I think you're pointing out that it just feels like it is uh like the the lack of other characters of of color and other ethnicities is just it's kind of trapped in this um this white view of single life, yeah. uh, this white view of Toronto. Um and um and actually that was uh, um there there's two things in this movie that um kind of stuck out stuck out stuck out that kind of stuck out for me as um just just from my experience as being very white yeah. um the one is like the the party scene that it opens on where it's 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 wall to wall people um having a little little conversations all around the room and everyone's drinking and it's just and there's music in the background and it's just a very noisy environment it makes me feel very uh, it gives me a feeling of claustrophobia and when yeah. i see those kinds of scenes i want to be out of the room i want the camera to go into a different space um so it's just it, it just seems kind of um um, too noisy and uncomfortable for me. The same as the same one. Like if they go to a nightclub, uh, unless there's something interesting about what's happening in the nightclub, um, I, f- I typically find nightclub scenes in movies very boring because yeah. it's it's just uh, the character wading through a crowd of people. There's lots of noise, and I just don't want to be there. So anyway, that's I'm getting a little bit uh, off topic here, but the that scene um, where it's just a lot of it, it seems like everyone that um, uh, the Adam Driver character is throwing the party. So it, it seems like it's everyone he's ever met is in this party and they're just having beers and, and that's essentially a white person's party. Am I right? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, you're, I've experienced many a party in, of, of that variety and, you know, it's just you, you, put, you throw on your khakis and you talk about, you know, your your visit to the country club and, you know, where you're planning to travel to next and you know you have a good time and uh wet t-shirt competitions do they they figure prominently in white parties not in my experience okay uh but i was not part of a fraternity in university so (laughs) um the other thing about um about the movie's whiteness is uh, a little bit later in the movie they, they all of them go to a club and i've never i'm not sure if i've ever seen uh it put together in one single shot um, so well, but it was a composition of a lot of people doing very bad white dancing. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember that scene? I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know if this was, uh, if the movie was trying to make fun of that or if it is even aware that, that they're acting very white. Yeah, I don't think it's aware of it at all. I think they're more or less just playing into the tropes of of these movies and these movies tend to be predominantly white and therefore... Uh, they they did not give attention to trying to you know cast the the background actors with a bit more uh, ability when it comes to the dance floor. That might explain it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, while we're on the dance floor, and, um, and it, it, yeah, I guess the other thing is it, do, it doesn't feel satirical in any way. So I don't know. I don't know that. I don't see why they would be trying to poke fun at how bad white people are dancing in one scene but then not do that for the rest of the movie that's i think that's a good point it doesn't it doesn't feel like it has that sort of self-awareness or trying to subvert the genre no yeah Mm -hmm. Um, whereas goon definitely feels at least a bit more subversive in the sense that the the characters are different than just the the typical rom-com characters and you know you get you get a different relationship dynamic between uh alison pill and sean william scott in that movie so you do i think um and uh i think those characters are more interesting in that movie too they all Mm -hmm. they they seem to come already with um a background um that they're that they've lived some sort of life when they meet uh whereas this one it seems like they you know they do exist like wallace exists as as the mopey heartbroken guy yeah like um and yeah the zach braff if you will <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh uh i keep hating on zach braff because i really don't care but <laughs> okay you're, you're kind of ruining our chances to get him on the show yeah but <laughs> yeah that'll never i don't think he'll ever make a movie in canada but, yeah yeah the but the uh the way the dialogue is written in the movie too 
it feels it feels like it needed more time to like get it to be punchier to get it to be funnier um there's just a lot of banter between characters that reminds me of of real life situations like perhaps you you overhear people at a party or on the bus or co-workers where where they think they're being as funny as characters on a sitcom but they're but what they're talking about is pretty inane and their observations are 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 so superficial that they sound kind of stupid but they think they're being funny um, okay. does that make sense kind of okay <laughs> i mean well just for an example there's um uh, chandri talks about cool whip um so there's uh, there's there's a scene at a at a beach like a, a campfire at a beach. Um, she and Wallace and Alan and Nicole are there, and she says, um, um, "I heard that Cool Whip had to go through like ten thousand names before they decided on Cool Whip." So um, so she challenges them, "Why don't we come up with ten alternatives for Cool Whip uh, to see how difficult it is?" And and then they so they just play this game around the campfire where they try to have alternatives for Cool Whip. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think it. It just seems like one of those things that you um, that you would offer to, to have a fun conversation at a party, but when I hear it in a movie, um, and it's a scripted thing, it just feels like it's a bit it's a bit sad that the characters are doing that. It, yeah. it just doesn't have it doesn't have the the wit or the insight or the edge to like make it sound like wow those are. Those, those are things I hear in a movie. It just yeah. that, it seems like something I overheard. Doesn't at the relate to her character in any way. I get, I think I think the one reason maybe that those scenes are in the movie is to contrast kind of which environments she feels more comfortable in because that the scene on the beach is a lot more natural and the her her friends there immediately play into this game and they and they enjoy it and everyone has a great time doing it whereas the exchange with uh with ben and his friends in dublin is much more forced and confused because these people don't know what cool whip is and so maybe you know it's like she wants to live this simple jokey life in toronto as opposed to you know becoming this this more culturally minded person in uh, you know that that exists in these UN circles in Europe. Mm. So um, I think that might be why those scenes are there. But whether the Cool Whip prompt is is the the most interesting uh, way to to bring about that dichotomy that's in her mind, I don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. The the second Cool Whip scene in Dublin too. I, I think uh, it's another example of uh, of a missed opportunity to. To really show like what the Ben character is about, the boyfriend mm. character, because um, he, he his reaction to it is kind of is is kind of limp. Like he doesn't he doesn't like tell Chandri like oh well you know you're you're embarrassing me with that kind of a anecdote. Um, so he doesn't get a chance to be an asshole, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really get a chance to be like super supportive either. It's just this very middle ground kind of performance. Uh, uh, I mean, his character, the portrayal of his character is just like right in the middle. Yeah. Right? So, um, um, what but, about the music? The music. I didn't care for it. Yeah. Um, I was, I was kind of irritated by the music. Um, it's, um, it's just kind of bland and happy. Um, and, um, yeah. How about you? I don't know. I, I thought, I was I was intrigued by it at first because I it did feel like the the soundtrack choices that they were making were at least vaguely interesting and they're a bit please, on the nose please, again. pleasing to listen to. I, I I don't I don't pay attention to lyrics like I I'm not able to like listen to a song and internalize its message until maybe the 10th time that I've listened to it. So I don't I didn't pick up on any sort of on the nose choices like you might have okay. and that you've alluded to in in previous discussions but i guess just the the overall vibe it was creating i was enjoying at first Mm -hmm. but by the end of the movie those songs got really repetitive and the score ended up kind of blending with them and i couldn't distinguish what was score and what was not and um yeah just it just kind of it just kind of resulted in in it being very sort of bland and and Mm -hmm not interesting okay so started out liking it didn't like it at the end 
Mm. Okay. If you um, okay, so we didn't really like the sound of it. How how did you feel about the look of it, the movie in general? Um, I mean, nothing really. You're from Toronto. Did you, did you like the use of its uh, the way it uses it used locations in Toronto? Uh, yeah, I thought I thought it definitely got to a lot of different parts of the city. There was that one park that they showed uh, where where you could see the you could see the downtown cityscape in the background that was an interesting composition maybe but um it definitely it definitely felt like they were trying to portray a different part of the city than you you'd normally see which mm. i enjoyed but in terms of the 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 other visual aspects of it that what what I, what really what sticks out to me as something that that um i, I didn't quite grasp its inclusion was the, the more fanciful elements of it in terms of the the animations that were built into the into the visuals right and, and I felt I had to be reminded that Chandri works in animation but that's her character uh, that's yeah that's what we find out about her character yeah um, but yeah I guess I guess because the rest of the movie is so by the book and typical in its construction I didn't I didn't feel like those aspects of it blended with the visual style in a way that that felt like it needed or earned that element of of fantasy yeah i i kind of felt it was out of place as well um i mean the earliest instance was when uh when wallace um he loses uh her phone number uh it's on a piece of paper and he just lets it blow off in the wind yeah and then that um that dissolves into an animation i think um, that turns into the credit sequence yeah no i th- no? think it was um or no i'm thinking of i'm thinking of the animated credits at the end of the movie oh yeah. okay the animated credits at the end kind of recap the story a little bit yeah kind of like a pixar movie hmm yeah pixar is fun yeah yeah um yes boring but from that what is, what is in, in terms of the visuals what i do like uh and this was consistent with goon as well is um, I, I I feel like Mr. Douse or Dousey has has a good sense of staging action, and in this case, it's not really action as much as it is as it is more the visual comedy aspects of it. I I enjoyed like when Ben gets knocked out the window. I thought that was sudden and 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 well well staged. Um, I thought it was a good payoff. I thought it was yeah. funny. I just I didn't uh, back to the music. I didn't like the music that they used. Okay, um, the music cue to kind of. Um, signal to the audience how you're supposed to feel about the film, uh, about that scene, right? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they were humming some Christmas carol in the in the ambulance. Was it Silent Night or something? Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, <laughs> was it to help him like relax? Well, I think he just started humming it, and then they just okay. they just went along with it to yeah, maybe just make him feel more comfortable. Okay. Um, yeah, I know there were a few other moments visually that I thought were were well staged, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. Um, can I just point out there was a scene that I thought was that I thought was really good. Yeah. Um, so I because I, I I don't want to just like spend the whole time shitting on the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a really good scene, um, sort of in the, in the later parts of the movie, where um, uh, Dahlia, Dahlia, yeah, Dahlia, who's the sister of uh, Chandri. Um, it's after she's making a drunk. She she um, she was drunk in the in the scene before and she made a pass at uh, Wallace and Wallace rebuffed her. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next day she's at, she's at the beach with her sister and, and she's, she's talking about um, like, she retells the story a little bit by saying like, Oh yeah. Um, Wallace tried to, uh, he was groping me and he, he, he made a pass at me and, and Chandri and the cop showed up and yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. kind of elaborate and, and Chandri's yeah. like not believing it at all. She's just kind of like, uh huh. Yeah. Tell me what else happened. Right. But I liked how it was a scene um, where she's talking about what an asshole Wallace is, but she's really telling Chandri he's a nice guy. He yeah. proved it last night, um, and I thought that was handled really well. That yeah. they could that the characters are saying one thing, but they understand another thing. Yeah. Um, and I just I just wish that the movie had had more moments where like the characters, where the actors could like really embody their characters and yeah. and something. Um, something truthful about the relationships would come up. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of, what it also implies something about the relationship between those two sisters as well, because 
it it's kind of like Chantry knows that her sister's the type of person that she would be the one who's who's making an advance on Wallace as opposed to the inverse. And so I feel like that's probably why she can immediately recognize that this isn't that this isn't a true story that she's telling. Um, so yeah, it, it reveals something about Wallace. It reveals something about Dahlia. It reveals something about Chantry and her her understanding of who these people are. So yeah, I think I agree that that was uh, well executed. Yeah, and um, I guess in, by contrast, uh, I'd like to talk about a scene that I thought didn't work for me, which is the ending. Um, so uh, just a warning to listeners, uh, we're, I'm going to spoil the ending in case you hadn't already guessed how this movie ends up. In case you haven't been spoiled by decades of the romantic comedy yeah. genre. In case you've never watched the movie. <laughs> but um, after all the revelations have come out and, uh, and Wallace has um, confessed that he's, he, that he's in love with Chandri and, and vice versa, the movie jumps ahead to 18 months later. And, they, uh, and, and it's staged so that they seem to uh, reunite at the airport. And, and for a moment, they, uh, they talk to each other like they, have, like they haven't seen each other for 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're updating each other on, on what's happened. And it turns out it's a fake out for the audience. And I was just like really turned off by that moment. I just what, do you, thought, what do you mean it's a fake out for the audience? Though? Well, because um, we, we don't know what happened in those 18 months. But when they start talking to each other, she says, oh, yeah, I've been in Taiwan or wherever it was. Um, and, uh, and I've just gotten engaged. And then he reacts like, oh, really? Well, good for you. I also got engaged. Now, on to fa- my girlfriend in Taiwan. <laughs> at, well, but he doesn't say I went to Taiwan, right? Yeah. Yeah, because the, the, then the, like, it's just, it's set up so that you're like, oh, my goodness, did they find new people, right? Yeah. But then she, and then the punchline, well, I mean, not the punchline, but the, the further reveal is she's like, yeah, she says, oh, yeah, my, my boyfriend came to propose, chased after me in Taiwan. And he's, and then he says, like, oh, that's funny. I also went to Taiwan. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So, you know, so the audience is let off the hook. Like, okay, they did get together. Yeah. Um, I just, I just thought it was kind of weakly handled, that scene. And then, yeah. and then it goes further from that, that. We have the wedding scene and then we have something else to wrap up the movie. And it just, it just seemed like the movie didn't know where to end. And it, yeah. didn't know how to, it didn't know how to deliver like a great, satisfying ending. Yeah. So in terms of it complying with the, the, the genre tropes that it needs to kind of thing, um, what I've liked about some of the other kind of romantic movies, whether or not they're rom-coms that we've watched as part of this podcast is that the, the female leads have ended up on their own as opposed to in a relationship at the end. And that's double happiness. I've heard the mermaid singing and take this waltz. All three of them, all three of them, I don't think are rom-coms. Go on. Right, right. But they, they, they have romantic and comedic elements to them. So whether or not they're specifically rom-coms in your very narrow definition, I don't care, but they're all they're all romantic movies that end with the female leads on their own at the end, and I and I, I really like that because because the implication of most rom coms is that I guess men and women both can't be alone, and so even if they're not meant for each other or they shouldn't be together or you know in most cases the man is a fucking sociopath who's just been stalking this person for the whole movie. So the woman definitely shouldn't end up with him. Um, I like, I like that those movies that we, that we've seen end differently. And so I feel like this movie, there, there's really no need for Chantry and Wallace to be together at the end, except for the fact that it, that it wants to be one of these movies. It, it tries really hard to be the standard yeah. rom-com. Yeah. Because because she has these three choices, she can go to Taiwan, and of course it's obviously more it's always more complex than that. And you know, one of the choices of her going to Taiwan, well, Wallace could follow her there, which is what ended up happening. But that doesn't need to happen. She could have just gone to Taiwan, met someone else, or not met anyone else, and they could have they could have met at the at the airport by chance a year and a half later, and maybe they're both alone, and they could then the, the movie could end with them being like, oh, do you want to go for coffee? And then, you know, maybe they, maybe they do develop into something or it's just like, oh, well, it's nice to see you. I'm going this way. You're going that way. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't, they don't, these movies don't need to end with, with 
grand romantic love and marriage and re- resolving everything. They, they can they can well, end open ended, and it still is satisfying. I feel like no, but they do they do have to end that way if they want to conform to the packaged um, rom com. Yeah, right. Well, now so you wanted something you wanted something a bit more, <clears throat> um, a bit more realistic or a bit more challenging. Well, no, I, to yeah, characters. I guess I'm just saying I'm just saying. It doesn't. It doesn't have to end that way. You weren't surprised with how it ended. No. Okay. Well, I knew it was going to end that way, but course. I didn't think it had to end that way. Okay. All right. It didn't. I guess it didn't have to, but I think it. It. I think it believes that the audience wants it to end there. Yeah. And it delivers that. I wish it just would have been a bit more interesting instead of, um, instead of like a half-hearted fake out, and then a boring wedding scene, and then a boring. Um, wow, I can't remember what. At the end. They went to the roof. That's what I. Yeah. Like they started and off, and for the what? for the number of times that people fall out of windows or off of stairs or out of other things, and there was there were three falling scenes in this movie. Mm. I feel like they they had a missed opportunity of of one or both of them falling off the roof at the end, right? Like, well, that would have been something. Yeah. Just something to cap it <laughs> off, right? Okay. That, well, you you took it a step further. That's like okay. Well. You, even if they didn't go that far at the airport, the fake out, I think it, it could have just been staged in a more interesting manner. Like they could have. Um, so I'm gonna do the the the, the armchair quarterback yeah. thing for a bit. Armchair screenwriter. Yeah, they could have they could have been looking for each other at the airport. They got separated somehow, mm-hmm. and then they talked to each other on their phones. And like he goes, you know, Wallace could have been like, "Hey, I'm at the airport. Where are you?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm also at the airport." They they could pretend that they were they they were uh, that they had traveled there separately. Yeah. And that's a, so the audience wouldn't know that yet, and they could be walking around looking for each other and recounting their story about like, "Oh yeah," and then I went to Taiwan, and then this happened, and so you gradually learn their story through this dialogue over the phone until they meet. Right. And I mean, and then that might have been it. Just might have felt more like a climactic payoff yeah. to, to have that rather than just, just than what they did. Um, so anyway, um, I guess if somebody's going to remake this movie, that's my suggestion. But, but you could watch any other romantic comedy and get the same thing. Except for Double Happiness, I've Heard the Mermaid Singing, or Take This Waltz, all of which are apparently not rom- rom-coms. Okay, so. let me, okay, I'm going to, at the beginning I, I, I said I don't think this is a romantic comedy. Yeah. Okay, um, I think I'm going to take that back. Okay. Because my narrow my my narrow definition of romantic comedies, um, I need a f- there's a couple of things that I need. Um, one, you just you need these. You need yeah, these for me to comedies. for me to understand that you're to signal to me that you're trying to do a romantic comedy. Okay. Uh, within this packaged formula. Yeah. Um, one of the romantic leads has a unique job. Okay. That. Um, that they don't have to go to very often because apparently it pays so well. Right. Or, or at least just a unique job. Okay. And then the dilemma, usually for the woman, is do I, do I pursue career advancement or do I pursue a relationship? Pursuing the relationship means I have to give up the career. And that's the dilemma that she faces. Right. And, um, and um, some of those other examples that you listed, I, I think it doesn't quite... Um, deliver those elements and I wasn't sure that this one uh, at, at first I didn't think that this fit but maybe maybe this does fit maybe uh, maybe the F word does fit in that well she has she has to make a decision about her yeah. career and so it's interesting then that she in in trying to choose between career and love she chooses career She, but she still gets both yes so hooray <laughs> yeah I feel like that's way too narrow of a definition for a romantic comedy because like everyone talks about Obvious Child being a really good romantic comedy of the past few years, The Big Sick, both of those don't have quirky job. Types. But it's but it's only because it's been so diluted, right? It's the definition has been diluted the same way well, that. But that's that's the like that's like of, that's like saying a horror movie has to be a slasher that has, you know, no, but you a, can, a dude named Freddy. No, but you can <laughs> but you can ident- you can identify what what signals to the audience what is a horror movie and it doesn't it doesn't have to mean you can only be a horror movie or you can only be a uh, or this or that but i'm just saying like the but if you but if the you definition want to, for horror is so much broader than that very specific have to have quirky jobs the woman needs to have some conflict over the job versus the man but you're using the words romantic and comedy just as adjectives for the for the qualities of a movie I'm using romantic romantic comedy as like a genre definition. So you're meaning it more in the way that a slasher gets used as like a sub sub genre of horror. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good 
comparison. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll allow it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the same way that I think science fiction is a very specific thing. And just because something is set in space doesn't mean doesn't mean it's science fiction. Okay. Right. I haven't heard that one before. I always thought that all space movies were science fiction. Well, when we talk about a Canadian space set movie, we'll have that discussion. Okay. Yeah. Cool um, beans. Let's get it done with. What's uh, what's our fucking website, man? Our website is fucking filmed. Oh, in wait, Canada. wait, wait. We have to rate this movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to say a fucking B minus. Oh, we're going to the new rating system. Yeah. Okay. So just, okay. I see. That's that's pretty generous. Yeah, I think it's a it's a fucking C plus. Okay, yeah. well, that's not that far off. You can go all the way down to F, and you only went one letter grade down from me. <laughs> I think that makes a difference. So we get, you, I'm not I'm not inflating my grades. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying like I, like we're not that far off. But off enough. I guess. Yeah, we're off enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, what do you like to refer to this as the as the F word or what if the what? F word? You like the F word better? Yeah, me too. So that's our thoughts on the F word. Yeah. Um, where's our website? www.filmedincanada.net. And you can email us at uh, filmedincanada at gmail.com. And we'd very much appreciate it if you left us a rating and or review on iTunes. If you do so, if you'd like to email us to let us know that, uh, we will take your suggestion for a future movie to review on the podcast. And I'm on Twitter at Mary to a fly. I am also on letterbox at Mary to a fly. And uh, if you also want to check out on the website, I've recently been doing some recaps for the new season of Nirvana, the band, the show. It's a great season so far. And I've um, had some fun writing about that. So go check it out. And uh, we might be on Facebook soon yeah so if you want to connect with us through facebook we welcome that uh we're always looking for ways to uh stay in touch with you our listener all 12 of you um and they grew up to 13 it's a baker's dozen awesome awesome we are we're, <laughs> we are really expanding yeah yeah okay um have a listen to us again catch you, you next time, time.